Hi, I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors of Horizon. I just want to take this opportunity to say welcome to Horizon at home. This morning, God has a hopeful message for those of us who feel like our lives and our world are so empty. I was reflecting this week on a summer experience I had when I was probably six or seven years old. I was sitting in a classroom one summer learning the stories of the Bible, and I remember the teacher handed us this shredded wheat um, it wrapped in, in caramel, and, and we ate it, and then she told us this story about the plagues hitting in Exodus and, and the locusts, like, coming out from everywhere. And I remember, like, chewing on this thing that was supposed to be, like, locusts. And I don't know. It was not. I just remember being like, oh, my gosh, I, maybe we just ate a locust instead of shredded wheat. And I just remember being, like, confused about that. But I remember as we learned about this story thinking, I sure am glad that shredded wheat covered in caramel is about the closest I will ever experience a plague of biblical proportion. And then 2020 happened. Um, and this, this plague, right, feels like it is affecting every single person. Those things that I read about and I learned about as a small child, they feel so close and so real in our lives today. It feels like we are experiencing emptiness and confusion and anxiety and stress and the plague in biblical proportion right now. And I had to draw on that message that I learned as a small child in a little church in a small town in North Carolina, that the God who offer, there is a God who offers us hope in biblical proportion in the face of emptiness and plagues and stress and anxiety and confusion in biblical proportion. God offers hope of biblical proportion in the places where emptiness feels like it is so big, like it is the size of that of biblical proportion. This morning, I brought that kind of hope with me, right? Jesus gave me that kind of hope as I studied the message that that we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to John chapter 4, we, we're going to look at Jesus and what, it, what the hope that Jesus offers the world actually looks like. Last week, we learned that this hope and love that I believe is offered to the world in biblical proportion, that Jesus shows us what it looks like. He models it for us. He lives this hope out. If, if you want to know what this hope looks like, read some stories about how Jesus acts from day to day in his life in the Bibles. It can be found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Look at what it is Jesus does from day to day in his life. It models for us what living a hopeful life in an empty world looks like. The second thing that Jesus does is he teaches us how to live hopeful lives in an empty world. So if, if you're like, I don't even know where to start, pick up the Bible and read the red letters that Jesus offers us, the things that Jesus says to us in the Bible. This is how you can live a life of hope in such an empty world. And the third thing that Jesus does for us, that, that hope that is truly a biblical proportion, is Jesus died on a cross and he was raised again from the dead. He rose above the emptiness and the despair and the confusion and the darkness that we all feel so heavy so often. God raised Jesus above that, that Jesus may offer us hope through the resurrection over and over and over again. That hope that is of biblical proportion. So Jesus lived it, pay attention to how he lives his life. He taught it, pay attention to what he says. And he, and he offers us that hope still today through the resurrection. So if you're living a life that's, that feels empty, know that that hope isn't something from, for the biblical times. 
that that hope is real and alive right now and today. In John chapter 4, we read about Jesus who was living his life. He had to go through Samaria. Verse 4 in chapter 4 tells us he had to go through Samaria. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jesus had given to that Joseph, Jacob. Too many J's. Goodness gracious. The plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So this is the important part. That Jesus is going through Samaria. He's in a town called Sychar. And there's a well there. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, listen to this. It's not really a big piece of the sermon. But I think it's important if we're looking at a Jesus who teaches us how to live hopeful lives. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey. Anybody here feel tired and exhausted this morning? Tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. Jesus knew when he was tired that he needed to sit down by the well once in a while. It was about noon. It didn't matter that it was the middle of the day when Jesus was tired and he couldn't go on any further. He sat down. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Pay attention to how Jesus lived his life. If you're feeling empty and tired, even if it's the middle of the day, be okay with sitting down by the well that you may get filled up. When he sat down, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews aren't supposed to associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew about the hope of God, right, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus says to her, If you're feeling empty right now, you would have asked me for hope, for living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to this well to draw water. And he told her, listen to this. So interesting turn of events here. He tells her, go call your husband to come back. Things change. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say that you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet, right? I can see that right now you're trying to offer me more than just water. This conversation is not just about a drink of water anymore. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain but you, Jesus, you're a Jew, and you claim that the place where I must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, 
A time is coming when you'll worship a father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. A time will come where you won't have a church to go to, he tells her. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, Jesus says, and has come when the true worshipers will worship God in the spirit and in truth. Where we won't have to have it looking the way that we thought it had to look, he says. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus looked at her and said, I, I the one who is speaking to you, I am he. I and the Messiah am what you've been longing for. Just then his disciples returned. They were surprised to find him talking with a Samaritan woman. But no one asked. They'd been around Jesus long enough. They didn't even ask any questions. They just, they just said, uh, they didn't even ask her, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then she left her water jar. The woman came back to town and said to the people, come see a man who's told me everything I ever did. I think this guy is the Messiah. This morning, I want us to look at three things that I think Jesus shows us about hope in, this, in his interaction with this woman at the well. The first thing is, Jesus' hope is relentless. It's going to get to the heart of the matter. Jesus asks her first for a drink of water. Like, you're probably not ready to start talking about your emptiness. You're not yet ready to talk about five husbands. You're not re yet ready to talk about your questions about worship or who I am or what you're really longing for in life. You're not quite ready for that, so let's start with a drink of water. But I'm not going to stop there. I'm not just going to say, hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry you're not having the best day. Can you get, still get, no, Jesus was relentless. Give me a drink of water. Now let's have a real conversation. Now let's keep having a real conversation and talk about your husbands and your life and, and the, the ways that you are feeling empty in this world. The hope of Jesus is relentless. It's not just, oh, everything's going to be okay. The hope of Jesus gets to the heart of the emptiness matter in our lives, and it is relentless to get there, not because Jesus wants you to feel bad or guilty, but because Jesus wants to offer you living water in those empty places, in those dry places, in those parched places in your life. Jesus is going to be relentless. If during this pandemic you've recognized that your anxiety, your confusion, your addiction, your marriage, your anger, whatever it is that you have experienced that is leaving you so empty and you're like, it is relentless. I cannot escape it. Jesus will meet you there and will relentlessly help you get to the heart of the matter that you may have hope, that you may be changed and different, that the things that are parching you and robbing you of water, of life, of fullness may be changed. The hope of Jesus is relentless. It's going to keep coming after you. Not because Jesus wants you to feel guilty, but because Jesus needed to do in her what he knew he could only do when he's not here anymore. He wanted to use her as a vessel of real and living water in the world. Did you hear that? Drink of this water and it will well up inside of you and overflow even until eternal life forevermore. You will never thirst again. The hope of Jesus is relentless, that it may part, it may cover and feel and quench the thirst in your parched soul in the deepest and emptiest parts of you and it will be enough that it will flow out of you forevermore. 
The hope of Jesus is relentless. The hope of Jesus is reckless. It wasn't just for the disciples who were going to to town to get the food. It wasn't for the perfect guy who was reading his Bible by the well. It wasn't for the perfect people in Sychar, Samaria. The hope of Jesus was recklessly given and offered to a woman who'd been married five times. And we don't exactly know what her life looks like right now, but she wasn't going to talk about it, right? It's not offered to people who are perfect and have perfect lives. It's offered to people like me and you who are empty, who are thirsty, who are longing for the hope of Jesus. And it is recklessly given to those of us who do not deserve it. Maybe you're saying, Pastor Erica, you don't don't understand. Jesus has given me that hope and I've abused it. I've misused it. And you know what? The hope of Jesus is reckless and it is still there. You've relapsed during this pandemic. You know what? The hope of Jesus is still there. There is still hope for wellness and healing and wholeness in your life. You, You look at me and you say, Erica, you don't understand. My marriage is beyond repair. And the hope of Jesus is reckless. It is reckless and will repair and heal your marriage. Erica, you don't understand my anxiety, my confusion, my despair has has come back and I don't even know where to start. The hope of Jesus is reckless. You don't have to be perfect. Jesus didn't ask you to come to him full and, and not needing any living water. No, Jesus says, come to me and I will offer you water, living water that will well up inside of you and flow over to others. You don't deserve it. You're not perfect. Life isn't is it great. The, the world you live in isn't perfectly sewn together and getting along well. That doesn't matter. The, the hope of Jesus is reckless, and it's given to you right now. And the final thing we learn about the hope of Jesus in this story is that it is radical. The definition of radical is that, that it changes the fundamental nature of something. The hope of Jesus is radical. It changes the fundamental nature of this woman. It changes the fundamental nature of water. Ask Blake, who was baptized a year ago. Ask him what that water did for him. It changed him. The water of Jesus becomes something different and changes us forever. Ask the people who signed up to be baptized in the next couple weeks. They want to experience this fundamental nature of being changed. They want Jesus to change the very core of who they are, to get at the heart of the matter of emptiness in their life and in our world. The hope of Jesus does that. It quenches the thirst of an empty woman who's been married five times and who's relationship with this other man isn't going so great either. It, it changes the heart of the ma- it gets to the heart of, of her emptiness matter, and it fills her up. It changes her. This hope then uses people like that to change a world that needs to be fundamentally changed. It sends her back into a world that's coming apart at the seams. Uh, it sends her back into a world where Jews don't talk to Samaritans, right? Do we live in a world like that? It fundamentally changes the world, this hope of Jesus. Some of you are like, Erica, do you really believe this hope of Jesus is still alive? And I'm here to tell you I do. This week, this very week, a woman who meant a whole lot to me, as I served in a prison ministry in the middle of a prison, a state prison in Memphis, Tennessee, she got out a few years ago. We've been chatting on on Facebook through Facebook Messenger this week. And, and I asked her, I said, what is it that the hope of Jesus offered you? And she said, Erica, before I met Jesus, before I encountered Jesus, I was alone in my room and I left everybody alone. I just wanted to be by myself. 
and someone gave me a Bible and I started just reading the red letters. And Jesus offered me hope that changed who I was. Like I can't exactly explain it, Erica, but it changed deep down who I was. And she started going to this worship service at, at Grace Place. It's a church that meets inside the prison. It's made up of all women inside of the prison. And they started doing things for one another. They started caring for one another with this hope that Jesus had given to their empty and parched souls. And she said, you know what, Erica? The hope of Jesus didn't just change me. It began to change the heart of the prison. Things became different in the wall of that prison. People were collecting their extra shampoo and giving it to new women who came in. They were using plastic bags from the guards and they were wrapping them together and sending them back out into the streets that people who were homeless on the streets of Memphis had paper bag mats to sleep on at night, even when they didn't have a home. Folks, the hope of Jesus fundamentally changes who we are and gets at the heart of our emptiness matter. And it fills us up and then it overflows in us forevermore. That's what eternal life means. It's not going to stop. It quenches it forever and ever and ever. It flows from us forever that the fundamental nature of how our world is, our world that feels like it's coming apart at the seams is different. This morning, Adam is going to help lead us in a song about a way maker. A way maker. I invite you this morning to sing with us to the top of your lungs. Sing like you've never sang before. Thankful for this God who makes a way where there's no way, who offers us reckless and relentless and radical hope. Not that everything's going to be all right, it's just going to be fine, but that it will, the things that are leaving us empty will be fundamentally changed. They'll be fundamentally changed. Jesus is our way maker. He promises to keep this promise to make things different and new to us. If, if you've never accepted that hope, if you've never clung to that hope this morning, I invite you to do that. Just bow your head right now. You can pray with us. Some of you have not clung to that hope. You need that hope. You've let go of that hope in the last few months and you need to cling to it again this morning. Just pray with me and then I invite you to just sing to the top of your lungs wherever you are with Adam as he sings about our way maker. Will you pray with me this morning? God, for those of us who come to you empty, for those of us who feel like we keep coming to you over and over and over again empty, we give you our lives this morning and we ask you to fill us up with your hope. Relentlessly, God, offer us your hope through Jesus. Help us to accept that you recklessly give it to those of us who aren't perfect. God, help us to recognize that that radical hope is going to change who we are. And as you fill us up and it overflows to the world, that that radical hope is going to change the world around us. Use us this morning. Use us to be people who offer relentless, reckless, and radical hope. Your relentless and radical and reckless hope to the world. Make a way for us where we see no promises for us, God. Let us be people who sing with our hearts and our lives about you to a world who needs to hear.